This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Remember, always be closing. Welcome to Marketing Trends. This is producer Ben Wilson, and this episode is part two of our interview with Rob Norman, director of U.S. field marketing at Box. In this episode, Rob talks a lot about pipeline, how to generate demand, how to measure pipeline, how to work with sales to attribute credit, and more. Again, this is part two, so if you want to listen to part one, where Rob talks about international marketing and the differences in marketing in France, the U.K., and Silicon Valley, go ahead and listen to the previous episode in this feed. Enjoy. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast, or click on the link in our show notes. So... With the field marketing stuff, you know, we haven't had someone talk specifically field marketing yet on the show. You're now director of U.S. field marketing at Box. What are some of the like tactics and strategies that you're seeing that really have worked throughout your career and the things that you're trying to implement across the country? Yeah, well, first of all, I want to say like field marketing has changed so much and is going to continue to change. And that's really based on the way that well, the buyers are buying, and the and the way the, the the complexity of the way that buyers are buying these days is is evolved, which has led field sales to be much more sophisticated. You know, rel- you know, working in channel sales and account based sales, and that is really starting. That is really driving, I think, the change in field marketing, and and so field marketing as a discipline used to be very tactical and it used to be all about well what regional events are we running this quarter and it's like events is synonymous with Mm -hmm. with field marketing and events are still an important and key tactic but i think that the field marketing role has expanded beyond that to become much more strategic and i think that the one of the key pillars from a tactics perspective or or like a marketing strategy um, perspective is really account-based marketing Mm -hmm. that i think has become more and more important it's emerged over you know, the last five years, I guess, maybe, maybe longer. But I continue to see that as a fundamentally key way to drive a high return on investment from marketing dollars working with sales. So that I would say account-based marketing is a, it's more than, it's not, I would call it much more than a tactic. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that I think is probably the one I would pinpoint the, the most. What kind of stuff are you looking at with ABM and how that relates to like, I mean, it, ABM is kind of, almost like an underlying theme across the different disciplines mm-hmm. of marketing. So like how in field marketing, how do you view that relationship? And then how does it kind of like translate? Yeah, I, I mean, I think number one is on the selection of the accounts, the industries and the accounts, right? At the end of the day, we want to partner with sales and say, okay, guys, so what are, what are your strategic industries? What are your accounts that we really want to penetrate and start starting at that point and field marketing begins with uh, and, and ABM begins there but I think that also you know 
field marketing as a discipline needs to be, move away from being generalist to being a much more specialist, having specialist roles within field marketing. Mm-hmm. So Interesting. I, I think ABM, you're, you know, it's important to have an ABM lead sort of centrally that sort of is a program lead, but then having ABM in the field, mm-hmm. if that is the investment strategy that, you know, uh, you're seeing as the best way to, to grow the business. And and those ABM leads get deep with their account teams and do the account strategy, do the account mapping, figure out the the buying unit, figure out the particular people themselves, and then putting together the programming plans with the sort of central demand center or the demand gen team or whatever to put together the, the sort of the program of engagement that is going to address those accounts in a very customized way. So you know, talking about personalized web pages, et cetera, personalized content mm-hmm. or customized content. I mean, we can, it's a sort of a sliding scale, right? Depending on the resource that you have. But I think field marketing and, and ABM is sort of, you know, you know, hand in hand and fundamental to, uh, uh, to the future. When you get to the bottom of the ninth, you really need both, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Most definitely. <laughs> I wanted to try to make a cricket reference, but um, (laughs) I I wanted to. We should have prepped that. We should have prepped that, but I um, know uh, nothing about cricket other than a game can last several days. That's only one kind of cricket. That's the there's only there's two kinds. Yeah, yeah. There's there's two or three kinds, in fact. Yeah, really. Yeah, there's test cricket. Well, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. I am right there. Yeah, (laughs) spot on. Yeah. I clearly did not. Test, Test cricket is the crazy cricket that lasts for five days. Got it. I clearly did not prep my cricket knowledge for this. I don't know this. how much your listeners are really no. going to be caring about I, understanding more I, about cricket. We I can think, take this one off. Fine. I think everyone really cares about really cares about cricket, but maybe baseball more in the U.S. For absolutely fair. Ameri- <laughs> we call it American cricket, but like you know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's good. That's good branding. There you go. Yeah. Um, so pivoting topics from cricket. Although yes. I do, I do yeah. love um, cricket. Uh, um you have so much experience in enterprise cloud marketing not just at box but in past roles i would love to to geek out on enterprise cloud and where you where you see it going what what do you think are the most important trends that are happening in enterprise cloud where do you see marketing's role going? How do you how do you see it changing? Yeah, it's. I, I mean, I'm as much of a nerd and a geek about this kind of stuff as as you are, Lauren. Mm. And it, you know, that's why I enjoy working with you so much. I think um, the fascinating thing is it changes and evolves so rapidly. Mm-hmm. If I was to point to a couple of things that I see as as sort of the trends that are happening now, I mean, I don't think they're like future trends i think the first would be about the buying unit Mm -hmm. you know moving beyond just understanding the personas and the individual buyers but really understanding how they buy as a as a group and as a unit and learning the best ways to engage them as a unit i mean i think that you know demand gen got really kind of hung up on the sequencing of content and the sequencing of engagements and that's totally true Mm -hmm. it's impossible to actually get that Uh, spot on because it's you're you're effectively trying to map behavior and behavior is chaotic and, and and unpredictable so i think that getting a better sense for the way that organizations are buying as a unit and and then being able to put in place the right next engagement with a so as an example if if you know you've already engaged with four 
of you know four four folks in a buying unit from a from a company and then someone else comes in through the door it's about working with your inside sales teams to help them to recognize who well, who is that buyer and what like what they can do to understand their role in the buying process and their information needs and then from there actually determining what is the next best engagement so i think sort of as a philosophy it's that's i think for demand gen the big next thing and then you know i think the continuing use of predictive and intent and 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 you know using signals that are in the market to get a better sense for who has high propensity to buy mm -hmm. i think is key you know i think uh that's especially relevant for when thinking about how to address the broader enterprise segment mm -hmm. and commercial segments. So the smaller sized organizations at the end of the day, there's a lot of them, you know, the, you, you want to do the ABM obviously for the big companies. And I'm more of the, I, I sit more in the camp of doing sort of less accounts than more accounts. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I kind of struggle when abm gets really broad because it sort of becomes in my opinion a bit of a oxymoron but that's my personal no, opinion i I'm couldn't agree sharing um, <laughs> i couldn't agree with you more on that <laughs> how you how are you going to do an account-based marketing program to three thousand accounts yeah unless you are a massive organization right. unless you've got the resource for and sure. you have the resources yeah. if you are even a hundred person marketing team three thousand accounts is untenable totally but I think that, you know, the predictive analytics, the intent technologies that are out there today are great for helping to surface those, you know, high propensity buyers in the marketplace and serving mm -hmm. them up. Because at the end of the day, you know, it's it's not about the quantity of the leads that are being generated. It's the quality that is being generated. And, you know, I, I think sales I remember, I remember <laughs> a time when, you know, we didn't have lead scoring and um, we used to send everything to sales. And mm -hmm. I remember vividly meetings with sales saying, would you stop? Well, I mean, it was inside sales at the time. It's like, you've got to do something about all these leads. I mean, we're qualifying every single one, but sorry, we're disqualifying pretty much every single yep. one we're getting, mm -hmm. right? And I think technology is playing such an important role in helping to, yeah engage with the right people at the right time but like surfacing those uh, high propensity leads to sales they are happier they get to qualify more leads and obviously marketing is happier because they get to drive a better return on investment and i do think it's not about more leads it's about the right leads mm -hmm. and i remember the the time where it was before there was lead scoring and all you'd ever hear from sales is we need more leads we need more leads right and even now when it's, well, how many leads are you going to generate for us is fundamentally the wrong the wrong question. It should yeah. be, what's the right quality? And how do I raise the bar on quality? Because if we are inundating sales with leads and they're not great, or there's some are really good quality, but they're in the middle of everything else, yeah. they're going to end up just, just getting burned. And when you are doing really enterprise sales and enterprise marketing, Volume. It's the game isn't volume. The game is about highly engaged, high quality, that have the right intent. That it's the right time. The fundamentally the right time to buy. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's so right on. The other element I wanted to talk about was um, the way in which teaming around 
lead management and pipeline generation mm -hmm. uh, between marketing and sales, between marketing sales and inside sales, and including partners and channel is really key. You know, if you can get a one team mentality about how we're going to create this pipeline number for this sales region mm -hmm. versus the sort of, well, sales kind of sitting back and saying, you owe us this much pipeline. And and then having, and I especially, I mean, I don't want to get like too deep into attribution models, but like if you're using a last touch attribution model as an example, then, you know, you can get into these conversations where it's like, well, who created that pipeline? Was it you or was it me? And then that's mm -hmm. really not the question that or the answer that we're looking for. It's really about how do we team together to ensure that, to your point, we're bringing the right leads in but we're doing a great job qualifying them and we're working Absolutely. as a team to qualify out or qualify in those leads and ensuring that, you know, the the actual demand engine is lined up and there's, you know, we're tightening everything up and there's a, you know, we're working on to reducing the leakage. I mean, that in a mature, in a, in, in, in a sort of on the maturity scale, I mean, I've seen us come from a place where <laughs> we were leaking a lot of leads to today being in a much better place and i think that's by getting people around the table together mm -hmm. uh, and getting aligned over the same goals but also like one goal together is we've got to create this pipeline because no one's going to win if we don't yeah i mean i think one of the things that's pretty interesting too with enterprise cloud tech going forward is this obviously ever-present idea of churn and this like idea of uh you know idea ideal customer profile and like making sure that the you know high quality lead means deal close, which means that this customer's around for a while and mm -hmm. not leaving us right away. Yeah, and I think that there's a going to be a huge shift in marketing that we've already seen happening of marketing your own white glove support. Like we got your back. Mm -hmm. We're going to be here for you. It's not you know we might have a turnkey solution, but like that stuff is coming. And I think that smart companies are realizing that like. You know, I, I saw an ad where it's, um, where I saw a, an interesting article where it's like Super Mario, the like little Super Mario. And then like, you know, you're not supposed to be marketing the the flower. You're supposed to be marketing him with being able to throw the fireballs, right? Yeah. It's like, mm -hmm. I think that the next step of that is we're not just marketing to people that you're going to be throwing fireballs. It's that you've already beat the game, right? Or, yeah. you know, beat the level or whatever that thing is. And I think that showing people how you look a year from now mm -hmm. with, oh, we had all this support along the way. I think that that's going to be a huge push for enterprise cloud as cloud companies are trying to differentiate mm -hmm. in a market that is increasingly crowded. Customer success is going to be one of those things that differentiates and therefore it needs to be marketed. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's uh, that's absolutely right on. And that's where, you know, marketing has its role to play in customer marketing, um, helping to support the expansion and, and and the adoption of the services that the company sells. I mean, Lauren, mm -hmm. you can you can speak to this, right? And and the partnership with CS absolutely. Uh, being absolutely fundamental to that. Especially, I mean, for SaaS businesses, you know, the whole point is bring them on and 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 then grow those yeah. those those businesses over time. Yeah. And of course, it's it's getting that balance right between bringing on net new customers to build market share. But at the end of the day, the the profitability lies in the expansion and adoption and retention of those customers. And so, yeah, marketing needs to work in, in partnership with CS for, for to achieve that. I have one other thing on that. You said how 
you know, behavior is chaotic and unpredictable. And I think it's so cool, these heat mapping mm -hmm. things that we have now, being able to heat map websites, because yeah. I think what gets lost sometimes is you have this first touch where it's like, oh, I heard about this product, whatever it is, I, I go to the website and immediately I do like five things. Like I click on products, see what they have. Click on like customers, see who's working with them. Then it's like, you know, maybe click on like case studies, like check that out really quick. Click on white papers, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then like, oh, okay, I kind of know about this company. And then you close your browser and then you're like, don't really think about it for a while. I think what's so interesting is this idea of like all of those different points that we had linear, linearly where you were talking about earlier that like, oh, well, people will just follow this path. Whereas mm -hmm. now it's like, you can just go to your website. They can get all that information in about like 16 minutes and then they have it. And now it's your opportunity to remind them of all of those different things that they've checked out from you. This like kind of chaotic mode where in the past, you know, whether it's product marketing or field or, or whichever are all those kind of siloed pieces. Do you think that as we're going forward, those become more blurred? Or do you think that there's just cross-functional marketers that are paying attention to the other sides? I think it becomes, I, I think you've got to have experts in your, in, on your disciplines, right? I mean, you know, I've, I've worked with some fantastic website leaders, uh, digital leaders that have put in place rigorous A-B testing that has driven such an increased and uh, such an improvement in uh, conversion i think it's important that you know the, these folks exist like we have some amazing uh, sem folks who spend their time geeking out about yeah. keywords and which ones are working and which mm -hmm. ones are need improving and which ones we should turn off and you know the amount of dollars that's going into branded and, and unbranded keywords so i think i think those those pillars are fundamental across every single tactic webinars regional events you've got to, you've got to have those pillars but i think it's then the role of the campaigns and, and the field marketing teams to actually start to knit those together mm -hmm. so that there's a coherent experience and at the end of the day if we if we work closely together to think deeply much more deeply about the experience that we're offering to said prospects so if you've come to the website and you've engaged with a a number of assets and we know that and we we have the technology to understand where you are then we can serve up the most relevant next piece of information that you're you're going to need because at the end of the day you know the, these buying journeys depending on what size of organization you're in obviously take take time so we need to keep the drumbeat of engagement going but in, a, in an authentic way and in a way that adds value and adds meaning to to the buyer and then they'll make the decision when they're ready or their next step i should say let's get into some just general marketing fun stuff what's one thing that you wish you had known about earlier in your marketing career you know, in a funny way, I, I wish I'd known how exciting demand gen was going to be. I think I would have got into it earlier. <laughs> I mean, it, come on. I mean, it's. It, I, I remember the days when, you know, we didn't have documented best practices of how to drive demand in B2B. I mean, B2B marketing has come on enormously. So and, uh, much. So much, right? And, and the they level- They even got podcasts where they talk about it. <laughs> yeah, so right? Cool. I mean, exactly. Um, you know, the, the level of, of insight that we're now able to generate. So I think I would have gone back and say, get into demand gen because it is, it is a fun, fun area of marketing. I mean, if you enjoy the fast pace and the results oriented nature of the game, I, I think it would be that. What's one of the most common mistakes you see experienced marketers make? I would say 
Well, I talked about it a little a little bit. You know, I think that the disconnect between portfolio or product marketing and demand marketing is 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 fundamental. Mm-hmm. I think if those are two siloed organizations that don't speak and work to each other really closely, I think it's going to mean the efficacy and and return that's going to you're going to see from demand marketing is going to is going to struggle. And I've I've seen that in the past to varying degrees. I think that you know I talked about the pipeline and thinking about one pipeline i think is 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 fundamental and getting out of the conversation about well, who created that pipeline totally i have seen that so many times in so many conversations and and you know getting into bad behaviors of actually working with sales to say oh by the way that deal there was sourced by marketing so if you don't mind flipping it then like you know and 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 that's like why why are we we doing what are we doing absolutely it's the same pipeline at the end of the day so so that's that's like we've got to get out of that we we always used to say if we told the ceo if the ceo is sitting who is oh it's howard schultz actually who's in the news a bunch right now howard schultz has this thing at um at starbucks where it's something along the lines of like if a customer is sitting in the room and if basically it's a like three other people are sitting in the room with you, right? It's like if the CEO is sitting in the room and one of your customers was sitting in the room and you were sitting there arguing about who should be <laughs> attributed to this deal, right. it's like everyone would be like, what, what are you talking yeah. about, right? It's yeah. like asinine. Yeah, I, Absolutely. And, and I, I do think it's leadership's responsibility to take that conversation off the table by changing the attribution model to ef- effectively eliminate that and, and getting people around the table to really work as one because, uh, yeah, it's it's just wasting it's just wasting time. That's a great I, point. I couldn't agree with you more on that. And I have seen this too many times where marketing leaders will encourage their teams to just hey can you flip the credit on this deal because it's sales versus marketing and they'll come back and they'll say well look at the growth in pipeline that the marketing department had Mm -hmm. and you look objectively and say well that looks great but the total hasn't really changed so you're just moving pieces on the board Mm -hmm. and sure great you look amazing but you're fundamentally not helping the business and it's our job as marketing leaders to care about the business to Mm -hmm. care about our customers not to yeah move chess pieces on the board yeah i couldn't agree more and i I think the one key metric that that the business has been using is 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 less thinking about the total pipeline created but it's about the coverage that's created for each sales region Mm -hmm. or each sales director i mean take it take it down to that level if you if you're if you know that the amount of pipeline that director of sales for, you know, whatever territory, region, industry is sitting at a multiple that is right and gives him a fair crack at, uh, at hitting his number, you, you're good. And I agree with you. Like mm-hmm. moving points around to to understand, you know, whether it was 30% or 35% or 60% for marketing or for sales isn't really what's going to drive it. I want to say one more thing that I think is absolutely fundamental that I, I think it's taken a long time is the database. It sounds really basic, but the database gets lo- overlooked so often. Mm-hmm. And it might not be fun and it might not be uh, it might not be sexy, but without a solid curated database, it really makes life really hard. That's a great. We haven't had anyone say that uh, yet on the pod. That is a very very good point. It is the most underlooked at thing. Yeah. And it's, if you have a great database, you don't talk about it, it just works. Yeah. And you take it for granted. The second you get data decay or 
your database stops working, you have bad information, it is a nightmare for the marketing department. Yeah. Try try to run an event in Reston, Virginia when you don't have zip code or location in your database. Right. Yeah. Or just you don't have enough folks in your database that are active that mm. you can call on. I yep. mean, it, it just makes everyone's life incredibly challenging. And it's such a fun foundational element. You know, it sits right at the center of the ability to to drive demand. So yeah, I, I would say investing in good data governance and there are some great folks out there who who really get how to ensure that the database is well maintained, it's cleaned, it has the right information, that is deduped, etc. is is uh yeah, it's huge. So what campaign they've worked on are you most proud of? I gotta say it's probably the campaign I didn't in the UK with the EMEA team at, at Box. It was called the Reimagining Better Business campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of cool. Uh, we worked with a fantastic agency, Bright Blue Day, uh, with an amazing account team. And yeah, they really took the time to come in and understand the business and yeah. to really think about the sorts of conversations that we wanted to have in market and and how to stand out from the crowd and really how to bring the personality of Box to life and it was a real partnership with all of the marketing team i mean this was not something that i did alone by any stretch i mean i you know huge kudos to the to the team in the uk from product marketing partner marketing pr we we integrated what we were doing in terms of pr as well as you know the the paid media so there was a you know there was a lot of crossover there it was shortlisted for an award, which you know was 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 pretty cool too, uh, an industry award, and uh, drove some good results. So yeah, that that was one of the most fun campaigns I've worked on, and I think for me, foundation, it came down to a really good understanding of the sort of content and message we wanted to take to market, and then we had fun doing it with some content that really I think you know had some personality to it, which was cool. I mean, and at the end of the day. Marketing should be fun. It, yeah, it is. I mean, I, I think it's a lo- I think it's a lot of fun, but it's yeah, it, and, it, it, and it should be fun. You know, I think that we've become so data driven and so uh, mm-hmm. revenue centric. You know, creativity and marketing shouldn't just sit in the brand team, right? It should permeate through the entire organization, and we need to be able to provide the environment to marketers to be able to f- flourish and come up with creative ideas and then go execute them. Absolutely. It's we are the intersection of science and art. And I love the predictability and the numbers and the revenue side. Totally. But you really get there through that deep understanding of the customer, having that creative spark and inspiration. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we all spend more time at work than we do with our significant others. So you might as well have a good time with what you're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And do you know what do you know what time it is? Wait, hold on. I was just going to say, so would you say that uh, the bowler threw that one down the, uh, <laughs> down the uh, right down the middle and the batsman hit it out of the something park? I don't know. What is it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we basically coined hitting it out of the park, but yeah, hitting yeah. it over the boundary. There we go. Hitting over to the boundary. That That's is right. such a British way of saying it. <laughs> hitting it over the boundary. I thought you were going to say it's a British way of saying it. Well, yeah, we pretty much coined it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. So should we get on to the most fun part of our podcast? Yeah, absolutely. It's we- a Pardot pop quiz. Okay. Do you like this? I like this. <laughs> okay. So thanks to our friends at, at Pardot 
for being amazing and sponsoring this podcast. We're going to do just quick questions okay. you've never heard before in your entire life yeah. from us. That is that is very true. This is not staged in any way. No. So <laughs> this could go... <laughs> it, it could go very awry. Very, yeah. It's one of my favorite things to do to Rob. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's you, do it. Do you want to kick off or should I kick off? No, I can go first. All right. Um, who's your favorite batsman? <laughs> uh, of, of all time? Of all time, yeah. Of all time. Um, uh, okay, he's more of an all-rounder, but I'd have to say Freddie Flintoff. Mine too. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. The Just the best. way he's like tonkered about the park. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't even know what those words mean. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, Let's crack on. Again, so again, many reasons so I love many Rob. Reasons, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what? Uh, what's your favorite vacation spot? Okay, so since I've been in the US, I got to say going to Hawaii has been incredible. So, but that's an easy one, right? But uh, the best, probably uh, one of the coolest places or surprising places is Istanbul. That is a cool city. I would highly recommend anyone uh, visiting that city. So more broadly as a vacation spot, maybe the Med, uh, the Mediterranean. But um, yeah, that was probably the coolest place I've been to. Okay, what about favorite app that you're using on your phone? Right now? Yeah. Can't, can't say box. Google Keep. What's Google Keep? Ooh. You don't know Google? Google Keep no. is, 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 is a note-taking app, but it, the way that it's put together and organized is, is fantastic and syncs super well with the rest of G Suite. And I find it really easy to create to-do lists and take notes of stuff on the fly and share it with friends or share it with colleagues, share it with my wife. Google Keep, yeah. Best note-taking app I know out there at the moment. Oh, I'm going to have to check this one out. So what is your favorite book you've read recently? So I'm currently reading Michelle Obama Becoming, which is an amazing book. So I would say that's probably my favorite in-flight book uh, that is sort of what I would, you know, sort of more personal reading. And then The Challenger Customer is very cool as well. That is a new book that sort of takes on Challenger Selling. And takes that to the the sort of continuation of that story. So the challenge is called the Challenger Customer. I highly recommend that book too. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, um, more of a thinking through the way that continual way in which the companies are buying is evolving and some of the latest research that's come out of CEB. So yeah, that's my nonfiction. Um, <laughs> any, uh, any ad campaign that you've seen recently that you're jealous of? We can probably edit this one out as well, but like, quite honestly, I try and avoid adverts. <laughs> we, might, we might have to keep that one in. That's so good. That's really good. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't watch TV. I use Netflix, Amazon Prime, and then that takes me out of TV and then I block ads. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. And so when it comes to advertising campaigns, then I leave that to my, my nearest and dearest friends in, in brand. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, so in in 2007, when Michael Vaughn returned from injury and Freddie Flintoff was replaced as captain, how yeah. was your how was was that a pretty tough time? No, I thought that was that was the right move. You know, he's he is. I love where you're getting these uh, cricket uh, <laughs> stories from. It's amazing. Freddie is a, was a mercurial, incredible all rounder. I wish I knew baseball enough to sort of 
provide an, a, a reference, but someone who could throw the ball and hit it out of the park exceptionally well. So, you know, those kind of people... a good-looking bloke, by the way. Is yeah. He's 6'4". He's huge. Yeah, he's a big man. Yeah, yeah, big Freddy. Uh, but yeah, he, like, those are the kind of people that you don't want to overburden with captaincy. They're better sort of oh. free spirits who have just a mercurial talent and can change games and turn them on their head and so you want to put the hard graft of being a captain and a leader onto some more sensible shoulders and that was michael vaughn so you know it was what? the right decision i'm gonna i'm gonna liken him to like a buster pose okay right, yeah, you sure. know what? sure i've heard of him that's just yeah. he that's a good one he, he's won he's helped win several several giants world series like yeah. great great all-around player great yeah. team player it's the kind of really it's the kind of player guy. that will just carry the team is yes. like i don't know i mean amazing hitter. like a lebron lebron will just carry the team right yeah so and buster and lebron should either of you be listening to this podcast we would love to have you join as part of it and <laughs> more uh, oh buster if you can also get us another giants world series that would be <laughs> awesome mm-hmm. <laughs> another question what uh what's the worst advice you have ever heard caveat it could not be from me well, that really makes it difficult. Then. Yeah. <laughs> so the top, top 10 answers off the board. <laughs> so the 11th worst piece of advice. I, I think the, probably the worst piece of like marketing advice, like or marketing advice was just concentrate on creating pipeline. You're not there to accelerate or close it. Oh, that drove me a little. That's terrible yeah, that's advice. Drove little, that's that bad. drove me a little nuts. That would be, uh, I don't know, life, life, bad, bad life advice. I don't know. I try and block it out of my memory. <laughs> so I don't have anything coming to mind right now. Um, I have to give that one some thought. All right. Um, final question. You ready? I am. Thing you're most excited about for the future of marketing? I would say seeing more CMOs become CEOs. Yes. Yes. We talk, We So we've had a few different co-founders slash CMOs. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's one of the things we talk about all the time is like this you're so close to the customer now in a way that you've never been before. It's like who better to like, you know, who yeah. better to lead the uh lead the company into the into the future than the person who's controlling the conversations with the customer directly. Yeah. I, I mean I think the marketing's come such a long way to be so engaged with the revenue that is generated for the for the company and i think you're absolutely right and shaping the message in the market and telling the Mm -hmm. telling the story i think it's a natural evolution and yeah i i would love to see uh more more cmo ceos and not to you know speak too ill of our of our agency friends out there we love you too but i think that being able to own your own messaging and to create your own messaging is pretty damn important and it's like when you're not in history when you were you know, even back to the, the, you know, New York Madison Avenue days, like if you're not the one creating your own messaging, it's like, that might be kind of the reason why you're not having a seat at the table. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's like when those people are doing that, it's the same thing as when a technical co-founder is still writing code or doing those sort of things. Right. If you're still helping create and shape the messaging and run the organization like that's exponentially valuable totally absolutely yeah. uh rob we look forward to you being ceo one day <laughs> yeah exactly right <laughs> yeah we'll we'll, we'll we'll wait and see whether that happens but thank you <laughs> Any, anything else just want to say it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for having me on yeah I'm, i was thrilled to take part so thank you thanks for hanging out yes thank you 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot. World-class B2B marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes, and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com podcast, or click on the link in our show notes. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.